Hello from sunny California. Welcome to another episode of Big Lash Energy. I'm your host, Jaina Marie. Right now, I'm enjoying my annual trip to Venice Beach. I'm exactly halfway through my time here, and wow, it's already been quite the adventure. (laughs) The day after I arrived, I did a promo photo shoot for Big Lash Energy, and that night, I went to a stand-up comedy show on my own, sat in the front row, and had the time of my life. The next day, I did an interview with someone very special for an upcoming episode that I cannot wait to share with you. Then, I went out and did a little dancing at a club called The Room in Santa Monica. I met some very very interesting people. There was this guy who was trying to get me to go back to his place and I was politely declining. In those sorts of situations, it's like you can't even say, sorry, I have a boyfriend because they don't care because they just say he's not here. So anyways, he started making all these claims about how great he was in the bedroom, how he appreciates deep breathing and tantric sex. And all I kept thinking was about how badly I wanted him to hear last week's episode about how much I hate when dudes talk themselves up in the bedroom. Maybe I should have sent him the link. When he realized he was fighting a losing battle, he finally said, You know, this dick has value. (laughs) He actually said that. This dick has value. And I said, To who? Do you know how easy it is for a woman to find dick? It's completely unoriginal. And I happen to believe that my pussy has value. And that's exactly why I'd never give you access to it the first time we met or after I've only known you for like 15 minutes. Then he goes, see, I like that. We think the same. (laughs) Boy, bye. After my night out, I got a little sick. Scratch that. I got really sick. But thankfully, I made a full recovery just in time to sit in the front row of the Post Malone concert last night. Oh, it was so much fun. Have you been to a concert alone before? Probably not because it's not the kind of thing that people usually do. It was my first time and honestly, I highly recommend it. I do a lot of stuff alone, but I'd never been to a concert by myself. If you don't have anyone to go with you, I think it's far better to have the experience alone than not at all. That's how I see it anyways. And after, as soon as I got there, I realized I'm not here alone. There are thousands of other people here, thousands of other potential friends. And I did make a lot of friends last night, at least, you know temporary friends for the moment. (laughs) Then I also made friends with my Uber driver on the way home. Pedro, shout out to Pedro because my phone died while I was at the concert. Actually, my phone died while I was waiting for him to pick me up on the side of the road. And thankfully he didn't give up on me, even though he couldn't see my location anymore. And it was very hard to find me with a stadium full of people. But he drove me back to Venice. And then when I got here, I realized that because my phone was dead, I didn't know the password to get in the gate to my Airbnb. Oh, poor Pedro. He was trying to log into his Airbnb for me. But then every single thing that you do that you need to try and log into from another device sends you a confirmation code to your phone, which, of course, I couldn't get. So after what seemed like forever standing outside my Airbnb in what was actually very cold weather, trying to figure out how to hack. I I guess I rang the doorbell a few times, but I don't think the owners of the main house were home. Finally, Pedro took me to the gas station, bought me an Apple charger. Then we just sat in his car eating gummy bears, waiting for my phone to turn back on. So right now, I'm holding up my iced latte. I'm saying cheers to freaking Pedro because he saved the night for me last night. And he did. He did because we ended up talking about this show. He did end up subscribing. So maybe he'll hear this episode He needs to know how appreciated he is. Being at the concert last night was so cool because, well, for one, 
Post Malone, he's just an amazing performer. He leaves it all on the stage. And I love that energy. He also has that song, Congratulations, which is the coolest anthem song about busting your ass and finally reaching your goals. It is so inspiring. And I was singing it with my whole heart last night. (laughs) Oh, it's so good. It's such a cool victory song about having success after working hard. And I was just feeling it because... Being here right now is so cool because last year at this time, I was in Los Angeles with Ricky doing another photo shoot for a podcast that was not released yet. Big Lash Energy did not exist yet. This was all just a dream. If you listen to the episode called Drunken Personalist in Los Angeles, then you'll know all about it. It's just so wild to think that I was here telling people about the plans that I had, telling them to follow the Instagram page for something that didn't exist yet. And now look where we are. It really happened. I have a podcast. It's just kind of cool. It's really cool. All the things, all the progress you could make in a year when you really focus. So anyways, with that being said today, I wanted to talk a little bit about all the propaganda around the boss babe culture and give you a fresh perspective on the idea of success. In particular, I'd like all the stay-at-home mamas, the hardworking people doing regular jobs to listen up because today's all about you. Welcome to Big Lash Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins, learning from our losses and laughing at ourselves along the way. <laughs> now here's your favourite hype woman, Jaina Marie. Jaina Marie. I don't know about you, but when I scroll through Instagram, my feed is full of inspirational business and relationship girl talk. So many of them come with a strong sense of entitlement. And I always tell myself, Everyone is reading this stuff and it really doesn't apply to everyone. For example, so many posts say things like, Be proud of yourself because you're doing your very best. Anyone could be reading that and not everyone is doing their best. There are so many statements saying things like, You deserve. But I tend to believe that you don't deserve anything more from anyone or anything than what you yourself bring to the table. If you get more than what you're bringing to the table, then you're extra blessed. But in terms of deserving, like actually deserving something, for example, some women think they deserve expensive bags and big fancy vacations. But do you? Because I have to ask, what do you bring to the relationship that could be seen as just as valuable as expensive bags and fancy vacations? Do you want extreme loyalty, but you still want to keep your own little fan club? You only deserve what you have to offer. Anyways, I'm going to end my rant about that right there, but you get the point. Then there's the posts that say things like, realize that they're lucky to have you in their life. Your energy is a blessing. Again, I read quotes like this and think anyone could be reading this, even shitty people with really bad attitudes. Not everyone's energy is a blessing to the people in their lives. I've done weddings where someone has walked into the room and it literally felt like a gray cloud just covered the place. Then, of course, there's the business propaganda. There are catchphrases constantly being thrown around us like level up, manifest greatness, main character energy every day, do great things, yes, queen, she boss, don't stop till your haters ask if you're hiring, be the CEO your parents wanted you to marry, and of course, boss babe. I think this is one of the cringiest terms of all time. One of the Urban Dictionary definitions for it was an ambitious female who keeps her feminine qualities intact. A pretty girl who knows what she wants out of life. She is the perfect balance between being independent and ladylike. For starters, the babe part 
irks me because it insinuates that a woman's looks make her more relevant. It's also annoying to me because men would never talk to each other like this. You'd never hear two guys saying, Hey, I saw your numbers from last quarter. You're a high stakes hunk, a real stud muffin salesman. There's a quote by J. Cole that I've seen posted all over the internet. People are praising him for saying, Pretty girls with natural bodies and regular jobs are still winning. Don't let this social media bullshit fool you. Yes, of course, there is some truth to that. But it's so irritating that he had to say pretty girls when he could have said natural women with regular jobs are still winning. Do we have to be pretty or babes to be relevant? I had someone message me once saying that she was feeling really bad about herself because she'd gained weight that she couldn't lose, but she just had twins and was working full-time as a lawyer. Having the extra weight made her feel unpretty and unsuccessful, and I couldn't believe my ears. You have a body that just created not only one life, but two, plus your incredibly educated, established, successful woman trying to juggle motherhood and a full-time career, and you're beating yourself up over a few extra pounds? It's unbelievable. When I was studying psychology, I learned about a study that was done that assessed other people's reactions to women and their looks. They concluded that in general, the more beautiful a woman was, the smarter and more capable people perceived her to be in her position. But once she hit a certain level of beauty, if she was too hot, then they believed that she only got the position because of her looks. Isn't that wild? Anyways, I guess what I'm saying is the boss babe term makes me cringe because I know when I'm busting my ass doing the best I can for my business, I definitely don't have time to be cute. During my busiest time of the year, I pretty much live in hats. I get by on body showers and tend to carry around an extra 10 pounds because I don't have time to work out and I'm eating whatever, whenever. I always look my best when it's my slow season and I finally have time for myself. In other words, I can be a boss or I can be a babe. It's very hard to be both at the same time. (laughs) I just hate how much pressure there is on women to be successful and beautiful. Imagine working in a restaurant where you have to stand for six to 10 hours in heels while the men who work beside you stand comfortably in flats. You're also supposed to be presentable. So you spend an extra 30 to 45 minutes doing your hair and makeup, but you don't get paid for that time or reimbursed for your products. Sure, you can say, if you don't want to do your makeup, you don't have to, but research has proven that more attractive waitresses get higher tips than less attractive ones, regardless of the level of service. I heard a particular statistic that said, more attractive people make on average $1,260 more in tips in a year. Waitresses with larger breasts get higher tips and waitresses with blonde hair get higher tips. One of my girlfriends used to go-go dance. She's a very natural woman who likes the way she looks without makeup. She actually does look better without makeup in my opinion too. She really doesn't need it. But one day she was at my place before her shift and for fun, I offered to glam her up. I did her makeup. I added some lashes, smacked her ass and sent her on her way to work. That night, she sent me a text saying, oh my God, I've never ever made any tips go-go dancing before, but look. And she sent me a photo someone took of her with her arms full of cash. I was like, well, damn, do I get a cut of that? Of course, looking good also means feeling good. So if we feel good about ourselves, we stand taller, we act bolder, and we attract more attention. So for sure, spending time to look good and feel our best is beneficial. But I just hate that we perpetuate the fact that we have to look good even more when we use the term boss babe. So after that very long rant, my point is for the rest of this episode, I'm simply going to say boss. Now, I have a little story for you, something that happened in my life, just a little moment that I think could properly explain how I feel about the boss term. So I moved to Vancouver so that I could go to makeup school. But of course, coming from a much smaller city, I really wanted to live right downtown in a brand new condo. 
I had absolutely no business living in the place that I was living in with the income that I had. Like I said, I was a student, but I was living amongst day traders, real estate agents, and escorts. My bills were so high, I had expensive tuition to pay for. So that meant I had to work three jobs while going to makeup school and trying to volunteer as much as I could to get my name out in the industry as a makeup artist. In order to pay the bills, I worked at a makeup counter selling cosmetics, I waited tables at a Thai restaurant, and I got a job as a barista at a Starbucks that was three blocks away from where I lived. Let's just say I was busy, busy, like like busy, busy, busy. I wanted to be in this new building with a pool, a gym, a theater room, and all those other amenities, but I had to work so hard to afford it, I never had time to use any of it. I'm pretty sure I swam in the pool just like one time, maybe. Anyways, one of the things that I loved about working at Starbucks was that I was always meeting new people. I'm pretty sure anyone that I made a drink for ended up hearing that I was working on becoming a makeup artist because the way I saw it was I never knew who I was meeting and who might be interested in hiring me or knew someone who would. So I was there telling the world. Even though I knew it was a temporary job, I took it pretty seriously. I loved that we were downstairs from a residential building. So that meant we had the exact same regular customers every single day. I learned all their names and I would have their drinks already prepared to their specific requests with their names written on the cup before they'd even walk in. Actually, years after I worked at Starbucks, I bumped into one of those regulars and he told me that he was a motivational speaker who companies hired to educate about customer service and he always used Jaina the barista as one of his stories whenever he gave his talks because there wasn't a single morning he didn't walk into the Starbucks in his grande dark roast with an extra shot of espresso and two splendas wasn't already made with his name on the cup waiting with a smile. I knew that while he only ever ordered a coffee, the fact that he came in every single day meant that he brought an approximate $1,600 per year into our location. And that's something. So to my surprise, after only a couple of months, while I was still learning how to be a barista, I was offered a promotion to shift supervisor. It was my opportunity to be a boss. In this position, I was essentially the manager when she wasn't there. I did all the openings. I was responsible for scheduling and bank deposits, as well as covering shifts when people no-showed. I also helped with training and had to know much more about the drink recipes and coffee culture. I was honored that I was offered the position despite having no retailer management experience, so I accepted. Shortly after my promotion, the manager I really loved changed to another location, and I was stuck with Monica. Oh. She was the worst. She lived in a resting bitch face, didn't care at all about customer service, and probably six to ten times a day, she would sit just outside the doors of the cafe, light a cigarette, let it burn, and it would fill the entire place with the smell of smoke. I remember once someone came to me saying, can I please speak to the manager? There's someone sitting right outside the door smoking and it's really bothering me. And I had to say, um, I'm sorry, but uh, that is the manager. <laughs> she gave me every single opening shift. So I was constantly waking up crazy early. I had to walk to work in the dark. Then when Christmas came, she made me be the opening shift supervisor the day after Christmas when I was the only one who worked in the cafe who had family that I needed to travel to visit. And she lived with her mom. I was upset, but there wasn't anything I could do about it. So Christmas came and the cafe closed that day, but it wasn't enough time for me to go home to see my family and back. So I stayed home and begrudgingly made the freezing cold walk to work at 4.30 in the morning, the morning after Christmas. Monica had closed the last day the cafe had been open and she left me with a disaster to deal with. The store wasn't clean and most importantly, we were all out of coffee beans and to top it all off, the fridge had broken and all the milk was now warm. 
I had no idea how long it had been like that, so I definitely couldn't serve it. I panicked. Without milk or coffee, all I could really sell was tea. I didn't know what to do, so despite it being before five in the morning, I called Monica. After all, she was the store manager, but she didn't answer. I tried again. Still no answer. So I decided, screw it. I guess this is my moment. I will handle it myself. I made a sign that says, our apologies, but we'll be opening an hour later today. And I put it on the door. Then I ran all over Vancouver, asking other cafes to transfer bags of beans and milk to me and then running them back to my Starbucks location. Crates of milk and giant bags of coffee beans are not exactly light. So this was a lot of work. Finally, at around 7.30 in the morning, I was able to open the store. I was sore and frazzled, but also quite proud of myself for figuring it all out. Then about 30 minutes after I opened the store, Monica comes casually strolling in. But of course, first she had to throw her cigarette butt on the ground just outside the door so it could burn like incense into the cafe. I thought she was going to be impressed with my problem solving skills. But the first thing she said to me was, I can't believe you opened the store late today. I said, Monica, I don't think I had a choice. I got enough supplies so that we could open the cafe, but we definitely need more milk now. She rolled her eyes at me, then walked over to the broken fridge, grabbed one of the milks that had not been refrigerated for God knows how long, poured it into one of the metal crafts, and put it on the bar for people to add it to their coffee. My blood was boiling. Not only was she breaking the rules, but she was putting people's health at risk too. I was so done with this chick, but I couldn't quit because bills. I figured I'd do my best not to think about her and her miserable ass self. A few days after this, I was working with an older gentleman by the name of Carlos. He was from another location helping to cover a shift for someone who couldn't make it in that day. The two of us made small talk between making drinks and I learned that he'd been working for Starbucks for 12 years. I said, wow, that's a really long time. Are you a manager? And he said, oh, hell no. I asked, are you a shift supervisor? He said, no way. I was so confused. I'd moved up so quickly and he clearly knew far more than I did. He explained, I've been offered every promotion there is here, but I get a raise every year as a barista and the entry level pay for each position is only about 25 cents an hour more. For 25 cents, I'd much rather just steam milk and make small talk with the customers. There's no way I want all that added stress and responsibility for just a small pay increase. It's just not worth it. I thought about the fact that he'd been there for so long and getting raises every year. He was definitely making much more than I was at that moment. He still got stock options and a free bag of beans each week, and his stress levels were significantly less than mine. He'd never have to run around the city trying to find beans and milk. He'd never have to stress over how to cover a shift if someone didn't come to work. It had me asking myself, who was the real boss here? Carlos had hacked the system. He loved his life. For him, work was fun. Meanwhile, I was Monica's unappreciated, overlooked, underpaid sidekick. I think about Carlos often. I'm by no means saying don't chase your dreams. I'm not even against the hustle mentality because as a woman who's had to build myself back up many times, if I didn't have a hustle mentality, I'd be homeless. I haven't had anyone else to rely on but myself. And if I wanted a beautiful place to live in or nice shoes to wear or a vacation once in a while or hell, front row ticket to a Post Malone concert, I had to do that shit for myself. So yes, I believe hustle is important, but what I'm saying is there are many ways to be successful and not all of them involve smashing glass ceilings and climbing corporate ladders. Maybe your idea of success is finding a way to earn a living that doesn't stress you out. I'm pretty sure after 12 years, Carlos was making even more than Monica and that man was living his best life, spending his days making lattes and chit chat. Bless his heart. 
he's probably never going to get wrinkles. <laughs> also, despite all the hype about having main character energy, it's simply not possible for everyone to be the star. Once, I was doing hair and makeup for a commercial photo shoot. It was a scene in a grocery store, and one of the models was a heavyset man with a receding hairline and a belly that almost covered right over his belt. As I powdered him and got him ready for camera, he made so many jokes about how he couldn't wait to tell his family that he was a model. Then he told me that he makes his living as a professional actor and proceeded to tell me about all of the movies he'd been in. The list was seriously impressive. Of course, the superficial asshole inside of me was thinking, This guy? A successful actor? And then almost as if he could hear my thoughts, he said, You know, there's a lot more work for guys who look like me in Hollywood. Every single movie only has one Brad Pitt, but everyone else has to look real. He was right. When you think back to the movies that you've watched, someone needs to act as the guy who works at the gas station, the guy who serves the beer, the guy who falls off the building... If my new friend told his loved ones, I'm going to be an actor, I'm pretty sure they all would have thought, mm, okay, good luck with that. Because I remember back in high school, the prettiest girls that went to school with me wanted to move to Los Angeles to be actresses. But with main character energy, they'd all be competing for one role. This guy embraced the title of supporting actor and is now laughing all the way to the bank. So maybe you relate to the concept of main character energy. Maybe you want to step into the spotlight and see how far you can go. But if you don't, that's fine because just like how no one would want to watch a movie full of Brad Pitt's, I mean, well, maybe in some kind of dream I'd never want to wake up from, but I don't think it would do that well in the box office. <laughs> Every movie needs supporting actors and they're just as important. When my sister came to visit me with my niece and nephew, we set up the microphones one night and let her daughter, Malia, interview us. She asked, Which one of you has main character energy? Which one of you would be Batman and which one would be Robin? I didn't even have to think twice about it. Of course I would be Batman. At the time, I said it's because if I was Robin, I'd constantly be questioning the plan. Like, I'd be sitting there thinking, I'm pretty sure we could be doing this more efficiently. Meanwhile, Carly said she'd 1000% rather be Robin because she loves executing a plan that's been laid out for her and doing it to the best of her ability. She loves playing the supporting role. Then I asked myself, why do I feel the need to control everything so much? Why do I feel so uncomfortable in the passenger seat? After some self-reflection, I realized it doesn't have to do with needing to be in the spotlight. For me, it's a general distrust in the world around me. I've been let down so many times that I've learned that I just can't let go or I might get hurt again. Maybe a part of my healing process needs to be learning how to trust someone else's plan, learning how to trust the people around me. Who knows? I'm only trying to say that sometimes main character energy could stem from unhealed parts of us. Regardless, the point I really want to make here is that Batman needs Robin and Alfred. Looking at my business, this has been 100% true. When you look up Alfred, it says that his proficiency is in first aid, medical techniques, and computer systems. Someone like me would be 0% interested in that. I think about this with my business. Sure, my face is on everything, but without Shauna, she's the one who does all the behind the scenes work, negotiating contracts, answering emails, doing my scheduling. My Alfred, I wouldn't have any idea where to be or when. Then there would be complaints everywhere that emails didn't get replied to on time. I'd for sure forget half the things I told people that I do. When I interviewed her for the position, she said, I'm just a little bit nervous because I'm not really like you and Ricky. I'm quiet and not really out there. I said, do you think I'm trying to surround myself with a bunch of me's? <laughs> One in my life is already too many. She said, But I love graphs and spreadsheets. 
done. Anything that has to do with paperwork or organization makes me twitch. Seriously. There's a reason I made her signature at the bottom of my emails, booking ninja slash keeper of the calendar, because in my world, she's a superhero. Does everyone know her name? No. Does everyone see her face on my social media all the time? Also no. But she's 100% the heartbeat of my business. And without her, I'd be lost. If my business was all Jaina's, let's just be honest here. It would be a shit show. If we're sticking to the Batman theme, I can say that Ricky has for sure been my Robin for ages. I come up with wild ideas and she basically says, great, what do I need to do to help make that happen? She's the one who's often by my side in the trenches fighting crime beside me. In the podcast, it's the same. Sure, it's my voice on the show, but behind the scenes, I have a team of people who I absolutely need. In fact, we need each other. My point is that we each have our own unique talents, a place where we shine. And just because that place might not be glamorous doesn't mean you're not relevant. To me, being a boss is finding a way to live a life that you love, whether that means busting your ass at all hours of the day in pursuit of a financial target or raising your children to be kind, thoughtful, loving adults. Maybe your hustle is waking up on time to get your little ones fed and ready for school. Maybe your grind is staying positive while you care for a sick family member. Maybe the goal you're after has nothing to do with the career at all, but simply recovering from a heartbreak or healing from a divorce. Maybe you've figured out a job you can do that you actually enjoy. And even though it might not make the most money, to you living a stress-free life with a smile on your face is better than being a CEO. This isn't about settling. It's about knowing your purpose and being the best version of whomever you want to be, whether it's in the spotlight or not. Not everybody can be the boss and not everybody wants to be. Sure, success can be smashing glass ceilings, but it's more important that you're living a life that you love. I think it's being honest with who you are, what makes you tick, and finding a career that aligns with that so that you feel like you're living in your purpose, whether that's in the spotlight or behind the scenes. Actually, now that I think of it, just last night, Pedro was telling me that even though he's driving Uber, he knows his real calling is working with troubled youth. I told him that if that's what's been put in his heart, he's never going to feel truly at peace until he gives it his best shot. And I sure hope he does because the kids of this world would benefit tremendously from him living his truth. Since we're talking about living our truths and career stuff, I have a really fun episode that's coming up next week that's all about some of the wild and crazy things that I've done to pay the bills. And one of them in particular is going to have you shook. I just know it. It's something I've never really talked about before, so don't miss it. If you enjoy this show as much as I love making it, can you please share it with a friend? I hear every time you do, an angel gets its wings. Thanks again for pressing play. Now, please go be your most fabulous self and don't forget to spread that badass big lash energy Everywhere you go. Oh,
Close, that's why I'm yelling, damn James